This is the Voice Podcast Network. Hello, Hoyas. Thank you for tuning in to our new podcast, Beyond the News, in collaboration with The Voice. I'm your host for today's episode. My name is Sahar. I'm in the School of Foreign Service, I'm inter- studying international politics, and I'm a sophomore. I will be focusing on the human stories of international news. It will be more of an interview format than storytelling. Hey, I'm Catherine. I'm a freshman in the college. Thanks for tuning in. In each episode, we'll start by providing some background on the history of the day's event and then move into an interview portion. The weeks will alternate between domestic and international affairs, and today's focus will be on an international issue. Today, our focus will be on Afghanistan, specifically on Afghan women after the rise of the Taliban. Afghanistan is located in Central Asia, with Iran to the west and Pakistan to the east. Its population is about 40.1 million, and its official language is Dari and Pashto. Afghanistan's capital is Kabul, located in the country's eastern half. Let's start with a brief overview of relevant recent events that will help color your understanding of our interview's perspective and story. In August of 2021, President Biden withdrew U.S. troops from Afghanistan. U.S. troops have been in Afghanistan since 2001 in response to 9-11. The U.S. Department of State's website reads, and I quote, the United States went to Afghanistan in 2001 to wage a necessary war of self-defense. On September 11, 2001, Al-Qaeda terrorists attacked our country. They could plan and execute such a horrific attack because the Taliban hosted them in Afghanistan. Just a couple of days after the U.S. withdrawal, the Afghan government fell and the Taliban took over Afghanistan. The Taliban is an Islamist militant group that emerged in the 1990s in Afghanistan, known for its strict and extremist interpretation of the Islamic law, also known as the Sharia law. The Taliban first became prominent in 1994 and took over Afghan capital, Kabul, in 1996. The takeover followed over 20 years of civil war and political instability. Initially, some hoped that the Taliban would provide stability to the country. However, it soon imposed a strict and oppressive order based on misinterpretation of the Islamic law. The Taliban are an an oppressive and patriarchal regime that attacks women's rights and religious minorities. Since their takeover of Afghanistan in 2021, they have implemented numerous gender-based restrictions, including a ban on girls' education beyond the secondary level, effectively ending education opportunities for girls over the age of 12. Because of this, women are not able to receive an education, their basic human right. Women must also have a male guardian accompany them when venturing outside, even to public spaces like parks. Furthermore, women are mandated to wear burqas. This is a heavy blue fabric that conceals them from head to toe with a mesh screen over their eyes, allowing only limited visibility while walking. These policies underscore the Taliban's regressive stance on women's rights and their imposition on strict discriminatory norms in their control areas. Also, there have been attacks on religious minorities, such as the Hazaras. The Hazaras are an ethnic Shia group primarily residing in Afghanistan, with smaller communities in neighboring countries like Pakistan and Iran. Hazaras are generally recognized as an ethnic group of the Mongols and are believed to be the descendant of Mongol and Central Asia Turkish tribes. Their distinctive physical features often include more of an East Asian facial characteristics than other Afghan ethnic groups. The Taliban targets and prosecutes the Hazara ethnic community of Afghanistan. In September of 2022, there was a suicide attack 
at the Kaj Educational Center, a Hazara neighborhood in Kabul, which took the lives of at least 19 people, predominantly young female students, and wounded at least 27 people. This tragic incident shows the genocide that the Hazara and the Shia community in Afghanistan may be facing under the oppressive rule of the Taliban. Today we will be interviewing Zahra Vakilzadeh. Zahra Vakilzadeh is an Afghan-American author, poet, and public speaker. At the age of 15, Zahra, alongside her family, sought refuge in the United States and resided in Virginia. Zahra has written and published dozens of poetry pieces and has spoken in universities, schools, and conferences on gender justice and immigration issues. Her poetry has been also performed at the United Nations. Her life experience, love for writing, and passion for making a difference worldwide have inspired her to study diplomacy and use her writing as a call to action. She hopes to change the world for the better through public speaking, writing, and policymaking. Welcome, Zahra. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and share your story. First question I wanted to ask you is if you could please tell us more about your background and where you grew up. Greetings. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I was born and raised in Afghanistan, in the western part of Afghanistan. And I want to take a few moments to to think about and remember those individuals that over the past couple of days have lost their lives in the province I grew up in, Herat, due to a couple of earthquakes. I have a deep connection to Herat. Um, it is a place where I grew up and I learned to understand the world from a very specific and unique perspective. And I was born towards the end of the Taliban regime in Afghanistan in 2001. I was in Afghanistan for the first 13 years of my life. I saw the way that women of Afghanistan, including my own mother, fought for gender justice specific issues and the manners that they fought for equality, whether it was in the province or across the nation. It was at a very young age when I came to understand a lot of gender specific issues. I nurtured love and and passion for advocacy and activism. At the age of 13, due to the constant Taliban's influence over Afghanistan, my family and I became a refugee to Pakistan. And we resided in Pakistan as refugees for two years prior to being moved to and resettled to United States uh, by the United Nations Higher Commissioner for Refugees. Since then, I have been living in the United States. I went to high school here, and then from high school, I began my higher education journey at Georgetown, where I just recently graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Foreign Service um, from the SFS. And I hope to use the knowledge and the education that I have gained throughout my time being in the United States and living as a refugee in different countries, as well as being an Afghan woman in order to stand with my sisters in Afghanistan and in diaspora to uplift their voices and to be a good cause for the world. Thank you so much. Um, the next question we have for you is, what are the major challenges and risks that Afghan women face under the Taliban rule in 2023? About two years ago, 
the um, government of Afghanistan collapsed and the Taliban took over Afghanistan. The Taliban ruled Afghanistan between 1996 to 2001. And it was a horrifying time where my family, specifically the women of my family, had to experience. While, while the Taliban did not have a specific influence in a specific area in Afghanistan, over the next 20 years ap upon the collapse of the first regime, there was the suicide attacks, the attacks on schools, and a lot of different terrorist attacks that was carried out. For example, there was a, a bomb placed in front of my elementary school when I was in Afghanistan. Uh, a lot of my friends got poisoned or water was poisoned. Um, there were stabbing accounts and so many other attacks that the Taliban carried to prevent girls from getting an education. Nonetheless, the search for a better life continuously inspired Afghans, specifically Afghan women. So none of us really imagined that we will go back to how life was in 1996 to 2001. Right after the Taliban took power two years ago, they immediately stopped women from obtaining an education. And then there came many, many other restrictions on women, the way that they should be dressing, where they should be working, what kind of responsibilities they should hold. And they, in some sense, they have imprisoned women in their own homes. They cannot really go out. They cannot participate as full members of society, something that they fought for and tried to gain over 20 years in Afghanistan. And right now, um, the, their ability to, to move across the, the city they live or across the nation has been restricted. So the existence of a woman in Afghanistan is very dependent on a man right now. Women are not viewed as full humans. They don't have access to jobs. They don't have access, they don't have financial independency. And at the same time, they don't have access to an education and, um, and they're restricted in so many ways possible. Thank you for sharing that. Our third question for you is, are there any personal stories or experiences you can share that illustrate the resilience and strength of Afghan women in the face of adversity? Absolutely. There are so many stories that I can think of from very, very young Afghan girls who would show up to school despite the horrifying journeys that they would have to take upon themselves to, to get to the classroom. And then... In addition to that, staying in classroom and trying to be safe while learning. And also, there are so many stories, inspiring stories of young Afghan women and Afghan women overall who fought or con and continue to fight for their rights. One of the stories that I continuously live by is um, the way that my mom worked to uplift and support Afghan girls in our neighborhood. A lot of women in Afghanistan, a lot of girls, young girls, continue to be at risk of child marriage. And the number of child marriages, the, the percentage have drastically increased since the Taliban's takeover. My mom would offer free tutoring to girls in the neighborhood to ensure that they can continue keep up with their education in order to present a very strong case of not 
being forced to get married when girls were able to say that they are this this education is an investment on them the family was more likely to listen to them to make sure that this investment will come back to them in so many ways afghanistan was on a path where if the girls would get an education they would be able to work and and kind of support their family financially so we were going on that path and my mom would continuously not only serve as a great example of what it means to be a working woman and help the people in the neighborhood but at the same time what it meant to for the young girls to get that education and be in that place that she was and at the same time she would often informally organized in our own kitchen where women would come to ask for for advice regarding um, their health right my mom was a, a nurse in Afghanistan so they would come to talk to her about health issues and as they would talk about it they would bring up personal issues of uh, of their rights to land their rights to um, to financial uh, stability and what that meant and through that conversation, my mom would educate their fellow women and the manners that she would stand in solidarity and inspire them and encourage them to speak up on their own rights. Um, so, and and right now, a couple of stories that I can think of, or or maybe a more of a generalized way of going about this right now, Afghan women on ground are fighting for their rights. They gather um, in underground um, um offices where they put together protests that they carry out on the streets of Afghanistan for their rights. Um, there are women who who are actually leading underground schools for Afghan girls in Afghanistan. So the women of Afghanistan are resilient. They have been fighting for their rights forever. They have been demanding change. And it's not that they don't have a voice or they don't have the strength to continue, but rather they demand solidarity from women and, and humans of the world to stand beside them and ensure that women's rights are protected. Thank you. So how do you think people outside of Afghanistan contribute to raising awareness of what challenges Afghan women face under the Taliban's rule? I would say educate yourself, number one. It is very important to understand what Afghan women are going through, um, through the words and experiences of an Afghan woman. We need to ensure that we are passing the mic to individuals who are experiencing the oppression at the moment. So it is beyond important to make sure that our Afghan women are actually at the center of the way that we carry out our activism. Second, the issue of Afghan women has been brushed off over the past two years. There is this gradual forgetfulness when it comes to Afghanistan and Afghan women issues. We need to, we need to revise that. We need to understand that we have to support the Afghan women and their fight for liberation in order to ensure that every woman across the world is free. And so so that can look very differently. That can look um, um, in manners of reaching out to your representative, asking what they are doing for Afghan women, what they are doing for Afghans overall, how they are supporting whether there are Afghan women in Afghanistan or the Afghan women who are evacuated, Afghan women in diaspora, Afghan women in Afghanistan. 
those are very important approaches to be taken. And then another way to go about it is actually sponsor a child financially in Afghanistan. Right now, there are a lot of um, work that a lot of Afghan women activists are doing to educate young girls who do not have access to education right now. So providing just a couple of dollars a month in order to be able to support those young children to have access to internet and get an online education is, is very important. Education is the key and education is the most powerful tool that's why it's right now the most politicized topic in Afghanistan under the Taliban rule, because bright women are threatening oppression, and that's something that the Taliban would never support. Um, thank you. And finally, what are your hopes and aspirations for the future of Afghan women, and what do you believe is needed to achieve positive change in their lives? My hope and aspiration for Afghan women is what every Afghan woman is actually imagining, and that's liberation and freedom across Afghanistan. It is to have access to basic needs without it being politicized. That can include financial independency and mobility. As I said, Afghan women cannot travel um, from the city to their home, um, from the city to their village without a man because of the restriction and access to education. The access to education is a very personal topic. The women's access to education has been politicized for so long under the Taliban rule in Afghanistan. And I hope that the women of my country are finally able to live a life that is not politicized in manners where their human rights is actively being discussed on whether they deserve to have human rights or not. I hope they are able to have access to the same rights I have access to as an Afghan woman in the United States right now, to go to school, to have the freedom to organize in the way that I want, to speak in the manner that I want, and and so I can share the same freedom with them. Afghan women, as I stated before, they are already working to, to achieve that. They are carrying out protests on the daily in Afghanistan. They are fighting a war in Afghanistan. They're fighting a really extremist, oppressive regime on Af in Afghanistan. And uh, they are being also arrested just... Um, a couple of days ago, two of the organizers were arrested with their family and children by the Taliban in Kabul. So, so they are right now fighting and it's not that they are not doing anything. I think what is important is the solidarity that also comes from abroad, from people outside Afghanistan. We need to stand in solidarity. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder. We need to stand behind Afghan women and make sure that their, their fight for change and their demand for freedom is being heard. And we need to make sure that we understand that if our Afghan sisters are not free and do not have access to 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 basic human rights our access to basic human rights are also threatened so there's a lot to be done 
the African women are doing a lot on ground and we are responsible to stand with them in order to ensure that what they are demanding is achieved. Um, this is this is a fight that they have been fighting um, for a long time, and we need to make sure that we are not forgetting Afghan women and their fight. Thank you so much, Zahra, for taking the time to be interviewed by us uh, in the Beyond the News podcast, new podcast by The Voice. And, and we hope that uh, this episode and your insight on Afghan women and your background helps others be more educated in it so they can also stand in solidarity and, and help Afghan women across the diaspora in, in, the, in Afghanistan, as you said. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me.